Hi, my name's Olivia, and I'm on a mission to break the silence of domestic violence and sexual assault. This production is brought to you by Bolton Refuge House, which is headquartered in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. At Bolton Refuge House, we create a safe space through programs and services for all persons impacted by domestic violence, intimate partner violence, and sexual assault, and advocates for social change. Today's episode is sponsored by Ali Rudd Financial Services. Ali Rudd Financial Services can help you with all your financial needs. They are located in Mondovi, Wisconsin, and are there to help you in time of change. They can help you with life and disability insurance, retirement planning, or even Medicare supplement. Go to AliRudd.com for more information. That's A-L-I-R-U-D.com. Today's episode, we are going to be discussing child abuse. Now, this episode may be very triggering to some, so I just wanted to warn you before we jumped into the episode that this might be pretty triggering, and if so, you could stop listening to this, or if you want to keep listening and you need to talk to someone, you can always call our hotline. We have advocates ready to help you. It's a 24-7 confidential hotline, and we encourage you to call if you feel like you need to talk to someone. That number is 715-834-9578. Today we are going to talk to a woman who I'm going to call Rachel. Now just a little heads up, all the names in this story have been changed for their privacy. Rachel, in fact, is still fighting for justice today. Sometimes life is rough and it's not always easy. And in Rachel's case, she's really struggled at some times in her life. One of those times is with her son, who we are going to call William. When I sat down with Rachel and started talking to her about her life and William, there's one thing that was clear from the very beginning. Rachel absolutely adores her son. And I might add, her son is very adorable, if I say so myself. He's pretty much always with Rachel, but he did go and play with one of our advocates as we were talking to Rachel about his story and their story and and how this trauma and tragedy aligned. You probably noticed by now, I'm a little soft when it comes to when how couples met. So whenever I first sat down with Rachel, I just wanted her to tell me about her and her ex and how they met and and how their relationship started. Well, it first started out when we were homeless together. Well, I was homeless and that's where I had met him was at the homeless shelter downtown. And we had spent some time together and I guess I was lonely and he may not have been, you know, the prettiest out of all the guys, but uh um, I decided to date him, and it uh, only lasted a few months. Uh, we broke up a few times um, because he was very controlling, and I just didn't like the type of person that he was, and I felt like I could find better, but then I found out I was pregnant. So did you guys move in together, like find a house or how? No, we did not. I lived with my friend Teresa for a while. This was like right before I had my son William, and 
right after and me and him got back together for a little bit until he got abusive with me like throwing stuff at me yelling at me shoving me around um granted he never put his hands on william it was just all about me eventually i kicked him out it wasn't too long a couple of months after William was born, I told him to leave and never come back because I wasn't going to deal with that kind of stuff. And for the next three years, he basically stayed out of William's life until he jumped back in and I thought everything was going to be okay. And it wasn't? No, it was not okay. I mean, it was okay for the first you know, few months, you know, because... While he had him, you know, I checked in in on him from time to time or like I was almost there every day or every weekend. I trusted the fact that, you know, with him being his dad, that I thought he would care for him and everything. And he had roommates and there were always people there. And when I wasn't there, he was always being watched over. So I thought he was fine and safe until... Do you mind I... me asking you, so where were you? Because did you... Were you at work or where were Oh, yeah, I was working constantly. Oh, you're... Okay. I was working real hard. I was working a lot of different shifts um, and a lot of overnights, which is really hard to find daycare for overnights, which is why I relied on him. And, uh... But you didn't have a home at this point? You were still living at the shelter? I was not living at any shelter. I was either living outside of my vehicle or from couch to couch. Okay. okay. And then when I did get a place... Um, it wasn't the best place to live because there was always yelling and screaming there and, you know, there were roommates there that I knew, like I knew all these people cause I've lived there before and they're alcoholic abusive people and, you know, initially before this happened to William, you know, I didn't want him around that kind of stuff because, you know, I understand how traumatizing that stuff can be like. I was his age once, too, and, you know, I have a real bad childhood, and I do not want that for either one of my children, so, you know, he would come over and visit or spend the night even, so, or spend the weekend, but I initially didn't want him there, you know, I didn't even have a toddler bed for him, I mean, at an air mattress for when he came over, but, you know, I was busy looking for a different place, because there's no way I was gonna scar his beautiful childhood. Mm-hmm. Did you ever see your ex be abusive to William? No, I haven't, and I had not. He he is the type that, you know, is very quiet. Like, he doesn't really talk much unless he holds a conversation, then he talks for, like, forever. But he's slow-moving, he doesn't really talk much. You honestly wouldn't think that he wouldn't do that, but then it brings back the memories on the way that he abused me. Was he ever physically abusive to you? Um, he put his hands on me once, but, I mean, it wasn't anything that, it only left, like, a small bruise, and it wasn't terribly bad, so, you know, I I didn't make a big deal out of it, because, you know, I, I feel like I'm as strong as they come because of my history and my past, Mm -hmm. but with William, you know, and him being his son, 
you know, you wouldn't think that a parent would do that. You see that all over the news all the time. And you think to yourself, well, you know, I feel so bad for that family slash that child, you know, give them lots of prayers and hopes and, you know, and, but then you think, you know, this is never going to happen to me because you, you love your child, but you never think about that other person that could do that to your child. You know, it totally bypasses your mind. Mm-hmm. So how did you start, how did you find out that he was being abusive to William? Well, he had messaged me. He had messaged me about uh, picking him up for a couple of hours because he had a meeting. I guess the manager out there had a meeting for all the residents. But usually I just go right there to his house. But he wasn't there. And so I called him and he didn't answer. I messaged him and he said that, he was at a gas station close by. So I met him at the gas station and I picked up my son, but it was like over 90 degrees outside. And he was wearing long pants, sweatpants with a t-shirt and a long sleeve t-shirt and a jacket. And he had a sweatshirt on, he had a hat on, he had boots and socks on. And he was totally drenched, which initially I thought was just like sweat or water, but turned out to be urine. Like, all of his clothes from head to toe were drenched. I had to buy a whole new car seat because it was that bad. And by the time I put him in his car seat, I turned around to go confront him because I wasn't just going to leave him standing there in the middle of the parking lot. He was gone. Totally gone. Do you think he knew what he did? Yeah. So then what did you do from there? I went to go pick up my friend Steven from the park. And go back to his place because that's that's his uncle, like not blood related uncle, but he's known him for like his entire life and he loves him to death. So, you know, we went to go see him and Stephen hasn't seen him in forever. And he was wearing a Paw Patrol hat, a little Paw Patrol hat, and it was covering up his face, you know, and he was very quiet. You know, he didn't really say much, you know, but then I went to go take the hat off him when he went to Stephen's house. And that's when I seen the bruises underneath his eyes and, you know, they were kind of sunken in. And then that's when he started crying. He started crying and he put his hand underneath his shirt and brought it behind his back and says, ouchie, mommy, ouchie. It hurts. And I pulled up his shirt and I could see all the marks, um... I could see the almost scab because it was still bleeding, kind of. And uh, I didn't even see the rest of his body. I just picked him up and I went to go take him in before I took him in. Take him in where? To the emergency room. We are going to the emergency room. Do these injuries all up and down his spine. He needs to be checked out. And that's exactly what I told the hospital. I said, I don't care if you call the cops. I was going to call the cops originally, but... You know, even the cops are going to agree that, you know, instead of just waiting around and having an ambulance take you or a police officer take you, have them meet you at the hospital. Like, get... So what were you thinking at this time? Were you angry or sad or emotional? What were your feelings? Um, or you didn't even have time to think, maybe? Oh, or... no, I had plenty of time to think, especially just sitting there at the hospital. I guess all I could think about, I was imaging... Um, what could have possibly happened like him being hit over and over again and 
crying and screaming and trying to reach out for help and I can't help him. Um, I guess it's kind of like uh, one of those dreams that you have like for a loved one or somebody that you care about. You know, you guys are trying to reach to each other, but you keep moving farther and farther and farther away. And uh, it's, it's kind of like that. And it's really hard to deal with something like that because now, even though now that he's safe, it's it's never going to be the same again, ever. And that the fact that you weren't there to protect him when you swore to protect him since he was born. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing you can do besides try to go through the justice system and, you know, hopefully they take care of it. Mm -hmm. So what did the what did the emergency room say or do? Um, they looked at me, explained the situation, and they said it definitely looked like child abuse. And they actually found old contusions on his skull, and they had to do a CT scan. Um, so that was really hard for me, because I couldn't go with. I couldn't go with. Um, he had to be held down in a very small machine where he was confined, and it was really hard for me to deal with. I mean, he ended up being just, just fine afterwards. Like it was no big deal, but you know, that was the first time he was taken away from me after, you know, finding out what happened to him. He had an old cut on his forehead. Like, I mean, it was still like, you know, had scabs on it and everything. Um, so it was kind of fresh and the, nurse and doctor kept asking him you know what happened to his eyes and he pointed up towards his cut and he says daddy hit me daddy hit me here oh and how old was he at the time three he was three yep oh my goodness. he won't he will be four at the end of next month and he never mentioned anything to you um before this no not not once I think his father had him so petrified, so scared to where he, it took him a while even afterwards for him to talk about it. Mm. And now that's all he does is talk about it because he go where we live at. He goes around like, you know, how there's air vents or anything like in the ceiling or on the walls. He points at them every time he sees them and says, there's a monster in there. There's a monster in there or drains in the sinks or bathtubs. And he has so many issues with that. There's monsters in there, monster in there. And came to realize he was talking about his dad. His dad's the monster and he's everywhere. And he feels like he can't go anywhere. He can't do anything because he's all around him and he can't run away from it. I'm sorry. It's rough. Does he, um, is he, like, in therapy or has anything helped him, do you think? Um, nothing's really helped him, and I'm working on therapy for him. Um, so, with the justice system, are you still going to trial? Do, do you have to go to trial? Well, what's going on with that, um, I've kept an eye on everything like he was like I said released from uh jail on a signature bond he only spent two days in there um and then he had a hearing um last week I went to that uh before I went to the hearing though I went to the oh gosh what is it called 
Oh, victim witness services to because I knew he was offered a plea deal because it was a it was like a few weeks before that I went to the victim services that you know I I keep an eye on him online you know what's going on with the stuff for my son and it said that there was a there was a plea deal uh get together between like the DA and his attorney or whatever so I knew that there was a plea deal that he was offered and so I went there to find out and I guess I had a really bad break breakdown that day and the next day about it um because of him only being offered four months in jail and three years probation you know to me I understand the three years probation he could screw that up at any time but the point is the fact that he's going to be out free after four months and that's just not justice and he admitted to doing it and they only want to offer him four months in jail I mean those pictures are horrendous and the mental damage that's done to him it'll never be fixed and it'll never go away so four months in jail compared to what he did to him, you know, it makes me think how many other people can go out there and uh, do whatever they want, abuse children, sexually abuse them and do whatever they want. And they get a slap on the wrist for it because he's only getting four months in jail. I think he should be made an example of because every once in a while, the courts are some what whoever the judge is, it doesn't even matter. Every once in a while, they make an example out of somebody. And I felt like he really should have been made an example out of. But he's not. He's only getting that offer. And there's a pre-trial coming up and another hearing coming up. And I plan on attending both of them. Um, I actually had to quit my job um, to attend all this. Because my job is, my old job was in the way of the court, doctor's appointments, everything else. And I just got a new job. That, you know, is for the afternoon, 12 to 4. So I had the morning open for appointments, the court dates and everything. Because uh, that's what I needed. Because I, I I may not have to be there, but I need to be there. I need to hear this stuff. And um, I guess since, you know, William can't be there, I got to be there for him. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't care how many times I have to see the alleged abuser. I just... I have to know. I have to know what's going on. Mm-hmm. I can't just, um, I just can't go online and check every day. I have to actually hear it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, when will, like, is this, how long has the, the justice system, how long have you guys been fighting this for? Since May of 2019. Um, so right now it is July. So it hasn't even been two months. Mm-hmm. And they're already discussing a plea deal. Yeah. So who who decided that? I think the prosecution. Okay. Is this his first offense with a child? With a child, yes. But he has a domestic from his ex on there. Oh, he does? Yes. So he's a domestic and restraining order. Oh, wow. That's why it's like, okay. Mm-hmm. And the fact that on there he has to take, on, on the plea deal agreement, he has to take anger management classes. When he had the domestic with the restraining order, he had to do that too, take anger management classes. Obviously, it didn't help because of look what he did. Mm-hmm. So, I don't think they're going about this the right way, which is why, you know, I'm working on writing a letter to the judge and I'm 
trying to set up a meeting with the prosecution because, you know, as William's mom, I have every right to deny it. And that's what I was told. So that's what I'm going to do because I don't think four months in jail is enough for what he did. And I'm going to, if I'm able to make a difference, I'm going to do everything in my power to do that. What would you like to see done? I'd like to see some prison time, whether it was a year more or even just a year. I would like to see something other than four months in jail. Yeah, four months isn't very long. Because, I mean, even if it's just a year or more, like, we could be somewhere else or, you know, we could have done something different in our lives to where whether he got out or not, you know, we may not have been in the same town. But right now we are and we're stuck in the same town and it really sucks because we have ran into him several, several times and my son won't sleep at night when that happens. Mm-hmm. It's hard. Oh, it is very much. Is there anything, um, do you have any advice or anything for anyone going through something similar to you? What would you tell them? It always starts with opening up about it. You know, Every child abuse case is different, whether you're scared yourself or if it's just your child or if it's both of you. You know, every case is different. So this advice, you know, may help some, but it may not help all. Um, I'd honestly say the first step is to talk to a police officer or go to the hospital or talk to your doctor. Your doctor can definitely help or any higher up authority. Um... Or if you think that your child is being abused and you're not sure, and let's say your child is younger, your child's not going to be able to talk about it, your child's older, your child may be too embarrassed to talk about it. And all you can do is really talk with somebody, open up, and if you feel like something's going on, they can definitely investigate it. You know, they have those kind of people to investigate for a reason. I did learn a very good lesson um, because it all starts with being abusive with somebody or even whether it's verbal or something like he was abusive to me back when our son was a baby and that right there should have triggered me and said hey you know this isn't a good person don't leave your son with them you know at the time I really didn't have much choice and but I hold a lot of guilt because I feel like I should have known. I feel like I I should have known something was going on, um, but I didn't. And it makes me feel really crappy that I didn't. Um, So if you plan on leaving your child with a man that's supposed to be their father, but they were abusive to you, but you're thinking to yourself, oh, but that's their child. They could never hurt their child wrong there's always a possibility because when it starts with you as an adult you know and the only person that's around is a child and they it doesn't matter whether it's a child or adult they need to take their anger out on something because there's something mentally wrong with them Mm -hmm. so do not trust dna do not trust family you know don't trust the fact that you know okay that person's their mother or father they'll never hurt them or a grandparent or an uncle or something or an aunt, you know, if they have a history or if they even start getting a history with that, uh, don't ever leave your children alone. 
If you or someone you know is affected by domestic violence or sexual assault, I want to encourage you to call our 24-hour, 7-day-a-week confidential hotline. We have trained advocates ready to help you. That number is 715-834-9578. If you are interested in ways that you can help Bolton Refuge House out, you can contact our director. Her email is director at boltonrefuge.org. I want to give a special thanks to our guest, Rachel, for being so brave today to telling her story so we can all learn from her experience. Okay, so I'm going to ask you a favor. If you could go ahead and give us a rating on Apple Podcast, or if you have any comments or feedback or anything like that, if you could email the director and just put the subject as podcast and say, um, and give us your feedback. I would really appreciate that so much. Also, if you would share it with your friends, family, and neighbors to help get the word out, I would appreciate that as well. And together, we can help break the silence of domestic violence and sexual assault. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Olivia.